chapter three of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglas this librivox recording is in the public domain the author's parentage author's father shrouded in mystery author's mother her personal appearance interference of slavery with the natural affections of mother and children situation of author's mother her nightly visits to her boy striking incident her death her place of burial if the reader will now be kind enough to allow me time to grow bigger and afford me an opportunity for my experience to become greater i will tell him something by and by of slave life as i saw felt and heard it on colonel edward floyd's plantation and at the house of old master where i had now despite of myself most suddenly but not unexpectedly been dropped meanwhile i will redeem my promise to say something more of my dear mother i say nothing of father for he is shrouded in a mystery i have never been able to penetrate slavery does away with fathers as it does away with families slavery has no use for either fathers or families and its laws do not recognize their existence in the social arrangements of the plantation when they do exist they are not the outgrowths of slavery but are antagonistic to that system the order of civilization is reversed here the name of the child is not expected to be that of its father and his condition does not necessarily affect that of the child he may be the slave of mr tilgerman and his child when born may be the slave of mr gross he may be a free man and yet his child may be a chattel he may be white glorying in the purity of his anglo-saxon blood and his child may be ranked with the blackest slaves indeed he may be and often is master and father to the same child he can be father without being a husband and may sell his child without incurring reproach if the child be by a woman in whose veins courses one thirty second part of african blood my father was a white man or nearly white it was sometimes whispered that my master was my father but to return or rather to begin my knowledge of my mother is very scanty but very distinct her personal appearance and bearing are ineffaceably stamped upon my memory she was tall and finely proportioned of deep black glossy complexion had regular features and among the other slaves was remarkably sedate in her manners there is in pritchard's natural history of man the head of a figure on page one fifty seven the features of which so resemble those of my mother that i often recur to it with something of the feeling which i suppose others experience when looking upon the pictures of dear departed ones yet i cannot say that i was very deeply attached to my mother certainly not so deeply as i should have been had our relations in childhood been different we were separated according to the common custom 
when i was but an infant and of course before i knew my mother from any one else the germs of affection with which the almighty in his wisdom and mercy arms the helpless infant against the ills and vicissitudes of his lot had been directed in their growth toward that loving old grandmother whose gentle hand and kind deportment it was the first effort of my infantile understanding to comprehend and appreciate accordingly the tenderest affection which a beneficent father allows as a partial compensation to the mother for the pains and lacerations of her heart incident to the maternal relation was in my case diverted from its true and natural object by the envious greedy and treacherous hand of slavery the slave mother can be spared long enough from the field to endure all the bitterness of a mother's anguish when it adds another name to a master's ledger but not long enough to receive the joyous reward afforded by the intelligent smiles of her child i never think of this terrible interference of slavery with my infantile affections and its diverting them from their natural course without feelings to which i can give no adequate expression i do not remember to have seen my mother at my grandmother's at any time i remember her only in her visits to me at colonel lloyd's plantation and in the kitchen of my old master her visits to me there were few in number brief in duration and mostly made in the night the pains she took and the toil she endured to see me tells me that a true mother's heart was hers and that slavery had difficulty in paralyzing it with unmotherly indifference my mother was hired out to a mr stewart who lived about twelve miles from old masters and being a field hand she seldom had leisure by day for the performance of the journey the nights in the distance were both obstacles to her visits she was obliged to walk unless chance flung into her way an opportunity to ride and the latter was sometimes her good luck but she always had to walk one way or the other it was a greater luxury than slavery could afford to allow a black slave mother a horse or a mule upon which to travel twenty-four miles when she could walk the distance besides it is deemed a foolish whim for a slave mother to manifest concern to see her children and in one point of view the case is made out she can do nothing for them she has no control over them the master is even more than the mother in all matters touching the fate of her child why then should she give herself any concern she has no responsibility such is the reasoning and such the practice the iron rule of the plantation always passionately and violently enforced in that neighbourhood makes flogging the penalty of failing to be in the field before sunrise in the morning unless special permission be given to the absenting slave i went to see my child is no excuse to the ear or heart of the overseer one of the visits of my mother to me while at colonel lloyd's i remember very vividly as affording a bright gleam of a mother's love and the earnestness of a mother's care i had on that day offended aunt katie called aunt by way of respect 
the cook of old master's establishment i do not now remember the nature of my offence in this instance for my offences were numerous in that quarter greatly depending however upon the mood of aunt katy as to their heinousness but she had adopted that day her favourite mode of punishing me namely making me go without food all day that is from after breakfast the first hour or two after dinner i succeeded pretty well in keeping up my spirits but though i made an excellent stand against them and fought bravely during the afternoon i knew i must be conquered at last unless i got the accustomed reinforcement of a slice of corn-bread at sundown sundown came but no bread and in its stead there came the threat with a scowl well suited to its terrible import that she meant to starve the life out of me brandishing her knife she chopped off the heavy slices for the other children and put the loaf away muttering all the while her savage designs upon myself against this disappointment for i was expecting that her heart would relent at last i made an extra effort to maintain my dignity but when i saw all the other children around me with merry and satisfied faces i could stand it no longer i went out behind the house and cried like a fine fellow when tired of this i returned to the kitchen sat by the fire and brooded over my hard lot i was too hungry to sleep while i sat in the corner i caught sight of an ear of indian corn on an upper shelf of the kitchen i watched my chance and got it and shelling off a few grains i put it back again the grains in my hand i quickly put in some ashes and covered them with embers to roast them all this i did at the risk of getting a brutal thumping for aunt katy could beat as well as starve me my corn was not long in roasting and with my keen appetite it did not matter even if the grains were not exactly done i eagerly pulled them out and placed them on my stool in a clever little pile just as i began to help myself to my very dry meal in came my dear mother and now dear reader a scene occurred which was altogether worth beholding and to me it was instructive as well as interesting the friendless and hungry boy in his extremest need and when he did not dare to look for succour found himself in the strong protecting arms of a mother a mother who was at the moment being endowed with high powers of manner as well as matter more than a match for all his enemies i shall never forget the indescribable expression of her countenance when i told her that i had had no food since morning and that aunt katy said she meant to starve the life out of me there was pity in her glance at me and a fiery indignation at aunt katy at the same time and while she took the corn from me and gave me a large ginger cake in its stead she read aunt katy a lecture which she never forgot my mother threatened her with complaining to old master in my behalf for the latter though harsh and cruel himself at times did not sanction the meanness injustice partiality and oppressions enacted by aunt katy in the kitchen that night i learned the fact that i was not only a child but somebody's child 
the sweet cake my mother gave me was in the shape of a heart with a rich dark ring glazed upon the edge of it i was victorious and well off for the moment prouder on my mother's knee than a king upon his throne but my triumph was short i dropped off to sleep and waked in the morning only to find my mother gone and myself left at the mercy of the sable virago dominant in my old master's kitchen whose fiery wrath was my constant dread i do not remember to have seen my mother after this occurrence death soon ended the little communication that had existed between us and with it i believe a life judging from her weary sad downcast countenance and mute demeanour full of heartfelt sorrow i was not allowed to visit her during any part of her long illness nor did i see her for a long time before she was taken ill and died the heartless and ghastly form of slavery rises between mother and child even at the bed of death the mother at the verge of the grave may not gather her children to impart to them her holy admonitions and invoke for them her dying benediction the bondwoman lives as a slave and is left to die as a beast often with fewer attentions than are paid to a favourite horse scenes of sacred tenderness around the deathbed never forgotten and which often arrest the vicious and confirm the virtuous during life must be looked for among the free though they sometimes occur among the slaves it has been a lifelong standing grief to me that i knew so little of my mother and that i was so early separated from her the counsels of her love must have been beneficial to me the side view of her face is imaged on my memory and i take few steps in life without feeling her presence but the image is mute and i have no striking words of hers treasured up i learned after my mother's death that she could read and that she was the only one of all the slaves and colored people in tuckahoe who enjoyed that advantage how she acquired this knowledge i know not for tuckahoe is the last place in the world where she would be apt to find facilities for learning i can therefore fondly and proudly ascribe to her an earnest love of knowledge that a field hand should learn to read in any slave state is remarkable but the achievement of my mother considering the place was very extraordinary and in view of that fact i am quite willing and even happy to attribute any love of letters i possess and for which i have got despite of prejudices only too much credit not to my admitted anglo-saxon paternity but to the native genius of my sable unprotected and uncultivated mother a woman who belonged to a race whose mental endowments it is at present fashionable to hold in disparagement and contempt summoned away to her account with the impassable gulf of slavery between us during her entire illness my mother died without leaving me a single intimation of who my father was there was a whisper that my master was my father yet it was only a whisper and i cannot say that i ever gave it credence indeed i now have reason to think he was not nevertheless the fact remains in all its glaring odiousness that by the laws of slavery children in all cases 
are reduced to the condition of their mothers this arrangement admits of the greatest license to brutal slaveholders and their profligate sons brothers relations and friends and gives to the pleasure of sin the additional attraction of profit a whole volume might be written on this single feature of slavery as i have observed it one might imagine that the children of such connections would fare better in the hands of their masters than other slaves the rule is quite the other way and a very little reflection will satisfy the reader that such is the case a man who will enslave his own blood may not be safely relied on for magnanimity men do not love those who remind them of their sins unless they have a mind to repent and the mulatto child's face is a standing accusation against him who is master and father to the child what is still worse perhaps such a child is a constant offence to the wife she hates its very presence and when a slave-holding woman hates she wants not means to give that hate telling effect women white women i mean are idols at the south not wives for the slave-women are preferred in many instances and if these idols but nod or lift a finger woe to the poor victim kicks cuffs and stripes are sure to follow masters are frequently compelled to sell this class of their slaves out of deference to the feelings of their white wives and shocking and scandalous as it may seem for a man to sell his own blood to the traffickers in human flesh it is often an act of humanity toward the slave-child to be thus removed from his merciless tormentors it is not within the scope of the design of my simple story to comment upon every phase of slavery not within my experience as a slave but i may remark that if the lineal descendants of ham are only to be enslaved according to the scriptures slavery in this country will soon become an unscriptural institution for thousands are ushered into the world annually who like myself owe their existence to white fathers and most frequently to their masters and masters sons the slave woman is at the mercy of the fathers sons or brothers of her master the thoughtful know the rest after what i have now said of the circumstances of my mother and my relations to her the reader will not be surprised nor be disposed to censure me when i tell but the simple truth viz that i received the tidings of her death with no strong emotions of sorrow for her and with very little regret for myself on account of her loss i had to learn the value of my mother long after her death and by witnessing the devotion of other mothers to their children there is not beneath the sky an enemy to filial affection so destructive as slavery it had made my brothers and sisters strangers to me it converted the mother that bore me into a myth it shrouded my father in mystery and left me without an intelligible beginning in the world my mother died when i could not have been more than eight or nine years old on one of old master's farms in tuckahoe in the neighbourhood of hillsborough her grave is as the grave of the dead at sea unmarked and without stone or stake End of chapter three